welcome everybody to the uh, the new Sling on the Biscuit podcast. If you're just joining us, uh, this is episode four of the new podcast. Um, I guess this week we just spent the last two, two and a half hours trying to get his podcast set up going. We uh, we had an interesting endeavor with it, but here we are. Uh, my guest today has been a personal friend that I've had for six, seven, almost going on eight years now. Uh, he spent time with the Toronto Marlies, cut by the Hershey Bears and Boost Brudrill, which we'll get to later on in a minute. He is a business owner. And honestly, probably one of the greatest people in the entire hockey community, especially as far as like business owners goes, uh, Rob Lalon, personal friend. Welcome to the podcast, my friend. Awesome, Trav. Thanks a lot for having me on, man. I'm a huge fan of the show. I've been a huge fan for a long time and uh, really grateful to ha- for you to have me on today, man. It's exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you on. We always have great conversations. We've been talking forever about getting the podcast going on a full-time basis. And when the co-hosting spot opened up, I said, come on, let's do a podcast. And that's exactly what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's here we are. So, uh, speaking of which, so we spent uh, two hours getting the podcasting setup going. Speaking of getting like knocked around, like I wanted to talk about this off the gate because this is hot online. Uh, slap boxing. Have you seen the slap boxing? Yeah, man, I've been seeing that stuff. I saw I saw some clips go viral on TikTok. Uh, the one with that little like that one kid versus the gigantor. Uh, I don't understand how they set those up or how those things even came about. But uh, those guys got heart, man. I'll tell you that. Anybody stepping in there and letting those guys whack you in the face—that's crazy. Yeah, so first off, if you're listening to the audio version, I'll explain this to you. If you're on the video version of the YouTube podcast, perfect. I will explain it to you. I'll do visuals and everything. It'll be great. So slap boxing is basically exactly what you think. It is two dudes. They lined up basically almost like on an arm wrestling table, and they just take turns slapping the living shit out of each other, like full on. Like they start with the hand, like right to the side of the head. They wind up one, two, three, and they just they just bitch slap each other right across the face as hard as they can. And some of these dudes, this is where it kind of like separates itself from like boxing and like mixed martial arts. Dude will get slapped across the face and just knocked out, slept cold. And his buddies will pick him up, bring him right back to the table, and let's go again. It is a ruthless sport. I couldn't imagine like how much you would have to pay me to do that. Like it just seems like a terrible time. Bro, have you seen, have you actually seen like the full competition? Like how exactly is it judged or how do you win? Like if they set up like they're about to have an arm wrestling match. And then before you know it, they're whacking each other in the face. But, like, I've only seen, like, you know, highlights, so the knockouts. I've never actually seen the full the full tournament. Or, like, is there a champion? Like, who's the greatest in the world at the slap boxing, you know? So I don't know who is, like, the champion in the world for slap boxing right now. But I believe it is almost kind of like well, boxing in the sense where you slap the guy, you knock him out, you put him to sleep, and you get to the count of ten. And if your two, I guess, coaches or helpers can get you back up on your feet at the box within ten seconds, you keep going. It Like, it is... It is such a stupid sport, but I, I can't stop watching it. It's all over TikTok. It's 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 interesting to to say the yeah, least. Yeah, man. Like I, I love it. I love that one kid. He's like a I don't even know what you call him. Like, he's a pretty freak looking dude, and he's like a tiny kid. He's up in he's in there against that gigantic fat dude. He gives him like a little love tap. I don't even know if it was set up that way. And then like the guy literally smacks him so hard, you see the sweat fly off his head in the video. It's just like oh my gosh, bro. You knocked him into next Tuesday. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. If if you haven't had a chance, just search up slap boxing on YouTube. If you're in the car, take a look later. It's it's fantastic. It's almost uh, almost as entertaining as that uh, Cheeto Vera knockout on Dominic Cruz over the weekend. The kick to the face, uh, UFC two seventy eight, two seventy seven, I believe. What a what a knockout! Fantastic, fantastic. Fight. Yeah, man, that was a sick fight. Uh, you sent me the clip earlier. Uh, I was watching the video. I was actually uh, I was watching boxing last weekend. My girlfriend's a boxing fan, so we were watching the fights. I saw a little bit of the fight. Uh, but then just to rewatch it, the one you, uh, the video you sent me with the clip was uh, pretty sick, man. The UFC is unreal. It's, it's gnarly. Did you, hey, did you actually order the fight? Do you watch it every week or what was the deal? Like, how did you watch that one? Or was that one in ESPN, like a freebie? 
so a uh, little little insider scoop here. So I don't pay for any of the fights. I know I'm terrible. I know I'm the type of person that Dana White <laughs> wants to shut down. So I use my VPN. I turn that on. I go onto the legal streaming sites, and then I get the stream for free. Like I mean, times are tough. Inflation's high. I can't afford to pay seventy five bucks every Saturday to watch all the fights. It'd be great, but I watch them for free. And uh, yeah, man, or you get, get a group of guys. Or there's a lot of I think, like if I'm on the road and stuff like that. Like uh, you, there's places you can go too. Like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Sometimes will show the fights. That's always a pretty good time. If you're looking to uh, catch the fight and like you know, it's always fun to go and check it out and see uh, see it live. Yeah, beat ups, Buffalo Wild Wings. What a place! Only been there one time. It was it was okay. Um, As a guy from Buffalo, I gotta say, man, their wings are pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Um, you know, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, so I got. Uh, I, I guess I have like a pretty. I call it not maybe not an expert, but I would say I'm a a pretty good judge of wing talent out there. And I think Buffalo Wild Wings does a pretty good job for their overall. You can travel anywhere and you can get a pretty good wing. Obviously, you know you got to get them with blue cheese. You see some of these uh, some of these outsiders getting ranch with their chicken wings, and if anybody orders ranch with their chicken wings, I always got to question them uh, a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I think the more questionable people are the ones that think boneless wings are actually wings. It's just a chicken nugget with a little bit of sauce on it. It's all it is. It's not actually a chicken wing. Yeah, but yeah, for sure, man. You definitely got to go like bone-in chicken wings. But let me ask you this question: the question on everybody's mind is, do you go drumsticks or flats? What's your go-to? Ooh. I, I don't, I, honestly, I'd probably go with a flat. I think the flat is good. I think the flat soaks up yeah, most of the Everybody sauce. knows that, dude. Everybody knows that. Flats all day. As a kid, you would have gone with the drum, but as an adult, as a grown man, I'm going with the flat all day. I mean, of course, they're both good, but with flats, you know, flats is like eating a flat chicken wing is like an art. You know, again, coming from Buffalo, you see guys at the, you see some real professionals at the bar in the, in, in the, in the greasy below eating flats. But, you know, <laughs> you can tell a true Buffalonian by like how they, Finish their chicken wings. Sometimes I, you know, I travel. I see some people. They leave a lot of meat on the bone. No, not from Buffalo, bro. We eat the whole wing. We go flats all day. Buffalo chicken. Buffalo chicken wings are where it's at. I don't mean to be like too kind of straight up, but like, tell me about Bruce Boudreaux for a second. Like, big Bruce Boudreaux. Oh, Bruce. You want to get right into the Bruce, eh? Why, why don't we just get into it? I, I can't even say his name. Big fat Bruce with the Hagen Dawes. Tell me, like, do you ever see that guy burying wings when you uh, when you're Bruce? playing for him? Bruce Boudreaux. Well, actually, actually, I never technically played for Bruce Boudreaux. I was, uh, I went to my second year of pro. I was having, a, I had a pretty good first year. Uh, I got invited to go play uh, training camp at Hershey, and uh, Bruce Boudreaux was the coach at the time. I can't remember what year. It was probably like oh oh eight oh seven oh eight something around there. And uh, yeah, I got to go to Hershey training camp. And uh, I mean, as far as American League teams go, Hershey Bears is like one of the most I would say Showtime teams. They get probably like as, as, as top of the league in fans. Uh, they do it right there. So it was a pretty exciting time. A lot of good players. They were uh, at the time it was Washington's farm team. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lot, there was a ton of really good players, a bunch of guys that ended up in the NHL on that team. And uh, I was down there with a couple guys from uh, my East coast hockey league team. And we, and we went to training camp in Hershey and uh, Bruce was the coach and we had a, we had a pretty good experience. Um, but uh, definitely uh, something that was so funny. Like it's, just, you look back on your career and there's like moments that you like, you kind of, I don't know if you, I guess you regret, but like I, I made a big mistake at that training camp. Um, I show up to camp. I was in great shape. I was having an unbelievable camp halfway through it. I remember we were out there for a skate in the morning, like just a regular practice sort of, you know, tryout skate and uh, a bunch of guys on the ice. I'm playing really well. Bruce skates up to me nonchalantly. Like, you know, at the beginning of practice, the boys are out there, pucks are out there. You kind of just, you kind of just doing laps and circles, you know, shooting a puck here and there, working on the hands, getting warmed up. Bruce skates over to me and he's like, Hey, uh, I think you're having a great camp. He's like, I think you're probably going to stick around for a while here. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Like, this is amazing. Like, you know, Bruce Boudreaux just came up out of nowhere and told me basically like, it's your spot to lose on this team. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. So fast forward a little bit, 
you know, we go into the game. We have a couple games coming up. We have, uh, I play a game. I play pretty well, uh, feeling pretty good. And then, you know, we had these setups in the, in the camp where there was two a days and some, some players had a two a day and some players only had one skate and there was like a huge list. And I guess, I guess it was more complicated than I gave it credit for, but this is like a testament that like, you got to make sure you're t- paying attention to detail. So after all that being said, like, you know, good compliment from the coach played a pretty good game. It was uh, we played a preseason game against, uh, I think it was bingo at the time we went up to Binghamton. I played there, played pretty well. I come back and we're supposed to, we have a skate. We're supposed to check the board at the end of the skate and see like what our schedule was for the following day. And I looked at it on the way out the, out the, out of the rink and like, I'm usually really good about being everywhere on time and like not missing things. And I checked the schedule and I'm like, all right, I got one skate tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, it's at like nine 30. Perfect. So I go back to my hotel. I'm getting some sleep. I'm getting ready for a big day tomorrow. I text my buddy. I'm like, Hey man, did you check the board? I'm like, are you, going, are you going two days? This is my buddy, Malcolm McMillan. Who's a, who's a good player himself played in Hershey, but I'm like, Hey, do you have a two day tomorrow? And he's like, no, no, we're both one. We both have one skate tomorrow. He's like, you're good. Don't worry. I'm like, all right, all right. So uh, instead of double checking, I'm like, I just kind of took his word. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I just went to bed thinking like, right, I got one skate. I'm gonna show up ready to go. So I wake up in the morning, getting ready to go. I show up to the, I show up to practice. I literally walk in the locker room and like, I had this feeling come over me like right away. Like I just like felt like, uh oh, something's not right here. And at the time in Hershey, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but they play at the Giant Center, which is a beautiful rink right in the center of town there. But they have a practice rink, uh, like connected, sort not connected, but like you drive like a little bit like down the street. They have another rink where the, the guys will skate and it's a practice facility. So for training camp, the ice in the main rink wasn't always open. So the guys had to go and get dressed and like basically get dressed in your gear, run out to your car, drive to the other rink and practice. So all of a sudden I walk in the rink and I had this feeling come over me. I'm like, Oh man, something's not right. Sure enough. Like I forget who, but like a couple guys come over me. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? They're like you're supposed to be on the ice right now. And I'm like, Oh no, like this is not happening. This cannot be happening. Like you idiot. So like, I'm like, all right. So I'm like, whatever, what can I do? What can I do in that situation? Right. So I'm like race to my dressing stall and I'm like speed getting dressed. And, and literally like all eyes are on me. Everybody knows like, this is the guy who just, you know, he's in training camp and he misses the, he misses his first, his, uh, his opening practice. So I throw all my gear on take my skates, you know, put them on the end of my stick, you know, literally like you're a kid going to play pond hockey, full gear in my helmet, running through the parking lot into my car, jump in my car, (laughs) like drove over to the other rink, like in my, like the whole way there, I'm swearing at myself. I'm like, you idiot. I'm like, I can't believe you did this. You idiot. I get to the rink. It's like the practice rink. you right. I show up as I'm walking through the door. I can see like the players like ripping around. You can like see the ice and you can see practices going on. Right. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is not happening. So I'm like, "What, what do you do in that situation? Right. So I go into the locker room, like, well, well I guess I just got to go with it. So I go in the locker room, tie my skates real fast. I'm walking out to the ice, ready for practice. And, and like, all of a sudden, you know, coach blows the whistle. He huddles everybody in for, you know, next drill. So I'm like halfway through practice. Here comes Rob strolling into the, <laughs> into the practice, fully dressed. I'm like hoping that like, I don't know if I could like sneak out there without anybody seeing. Like crawl, I go to the boards, crawl over the boards and just kind of like glide into the, into the huddle down on one knee, you know, right, learning the drill. Okay. Like perfect. Whatever. I'm out here. Sure enough, the huddle breaks. We get into our setup for the drill. Bruce skates over to me, and he's like, "It's like, well, what happened here? What do you have to say for yourself?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "Coach, I'm like, honestly, this is this never happens, you know? Like, what else am I gonna say? Like, it's it's true. I'm like, I don't miss practices and stuff. I didn't get to that level with you know showing up late, and miss stuff. I'm like, honestly, coach, this never happens. I, I swear, this will never happen again. Like, you know, you can count on me. Like, I'll be there. Like, 100. percent I made a big mistake, but like, don't hold it against me. Like, he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. We won't hold it against you." Uh, you know, just have a good day. So I'm like, all right, you know, cool. I had a good practice, finish hard. Literally next day, I get the call, come into the locker room. Coach wants to see you. Boom. You're going back. You're done. Cut. Next day, sent home, sent packing, back to Reading, back to the coast. 
that was it, man. So that's the thing, man. You get shots, you get the opportunity to play at that level. Like you got You can't make any mistakes, and that was a big one I made. And I mean, everything happens for a reason, you know. People say, but like that was a, that, That's one I knew that one day I'd be telling on a, on a podcast someday as a story. But you did think about sneaking on though. Like I got the gear on. I just got to wait for like the right time. Like right when the huddle breaks, and I just like slide over the boards. Like oh, I was just drinking water, and he he won't notice yeah. at all. But he knew right away. I see the lawn. The lawn's coming on late. Oh, that they, dude, believe me, bro. They, uh, you know, those guys are on. They know, you know, they know supposed to be out there, and they're keeping an eye on everything. And everybody's watching, man. Like, you, you know, as a player, you know, it's funny now that I'm older and I'm a coach, and I guess you go to the rink and like you see everything, bro. You see everything that everybody does. You know, players can't pull fast ones. You can't take shifts off. You can't take drills off because, like, as a coach, you just can you just see it all. And uh, it's funny you see that now, and that's kind of what happened then, where I'm like, you know, I, I didn't honestly think I could get away with it or anything. I was just trying to, what, what would you do in that situation? You know what I'm saying? I miss Pracky, and, like, I'm not going to not – maybe, maybe, maybe the move was just completely no-show and just show up for the second skate. Maybe that, that would have been a better move. Just be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, don't, I think, <laughs> you know, like, my, my dad was always tough on me kind of as a kid. Like, looking back, like, he, he was tough on me, but he set me up for success. And I think, just, honestly – Honesty is the best policy. Why are you late? Honestly, I screwed up the times. This happened, that happened. I apologize. Make sure the apologies first. And I think if you're honestly just like a straight shooter, you tell them what's going on, you can kind of see it in your eyes and, and they'll understand. Honestly, if they don't, it's probably not somebody you want to be playing for that doesn't value honesty and integrity. Like I, I value as a man, you know, now what, 26 now in August of 22, I'm 26 and like my word means something. When I say something, I'm going to do it. And if... I'm lying if I'm BSing you, if I'm trying to like wiggle my way out of a sticky situation. Like I don't want those kind of guys like around the locker room. I know no coach does, and I think I think you did the right thing. Like you apologized, you manned up for it. And I mean, it's big, big yeah, boost. That is all I could know? do, man. You know, I was like, all right, well, I'm going in. And that was just a, it was just such a weird. Like I remember such a surreal moment, just like knowing in the moment you made such a big mistake, and you're like, I knew I was like, man, this is a really bad move. But what was I going to do? You know, I had to show up to the rink. I just had to go and take my medicine and just take what take what was coming to me. And I, you know, that's what you said, man. I went out there and I was just like, man, I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And it was tough later on, as like you know, hockey's so you know you get you get these chances, you know what I'm saying? And it's it's you really have to take advantage of it because like I always preach to this to the young players nowadays, like it's really important to find a good coach and find a coach that you know it could be the difference of like making it to the next level or not it's like if you play for a coach and that coach ends up making it to the next level he's gonna bring the guys that he knows if it's between you and a guy that and you're both equal talent and the coach knows you he's gonna take the guy that he knows and likes and i i you know of course Boudreaux had a good year that year hershey was always really good i don't know if they won the championship i know he did win a championship i think at the american league level uh but he ends up going to the nhl and you see, look at the lineups of the of the teams that he had. He brought a ton of guys from that Hershey team to to Washington. You know, guys that maybe never would have gotten a contract in the NHL ended up playing in the NHL because they played for Boudreaux and in Hershey. He liked that player. Boom, he brings them to Washington. And I, I can't think of a name off the top of my head, but a couple of the guys I remember watching them. They like had nice NHL careers and got you know long term contracts for millions of dollars just because they had like really good seasons in the minors for Boudreaux. And I, I couldn't help but think like, man, like that could have been me, right? Like I, if I had just uh, maybe who knows if I had not missed that skate or um, it just, you know, I try to preach that now to like the players that I work with and that I coach just like, you know, don't take anything for granted and just, you know, know that you, the, the, the path to the top of hockey is like, you have one shot, you don't want to make mistakes. So, uh, and you also want to try to find a coach that's, you know, that likes you and that appreciates your game. And that if he ends up making it to the next level, he's going to want to bring you up with him. So, yeah, dude, one shot, one opportunity. And speaking of which, our presenting sponsor, the amazing folks at Sheath, 
Maybe you're in the market for a new pair of underwear, right? New pair of undergarments. You got one shot. You got one opportunity to find the right pair for you. You don't want to be buying into competitors that they don't air it properly. They don't feel comfy. They get, you know, to be quite honest, your ball sticking to the side of your leg. There's nothing worse. Like right now in Winnipeg, it is plus 33 out today. It is hot. The second I go out to the gym in about an hour, my ball is going to be stuck to the side of my leg. But they're not now because I got sheath underwear. They got amazing cooling technology and I got a lot of fun stuff I'm going to tell you about here. So the folks at Sheath was founded by a guy named Robert. Robert was a U.S. Marine, and he was spending time out in Afghanistan. And he's like, dude, like, I can't change my gitch as often as I'd like to. I, I need to make something that's going to actually help me, like, stay comfortable and stay aerated. And so the folks at Sheath have what they call the ballpark pouch. So basically, you're twigging your gigaberries, you're twigging your biscuits. They are separated. You have a compartment for your twig. You have a twi- uh, compartment for your biscuits. They're separated. They're aerated. They're cool. They don't stick to the side of your legs. I got them on right now. Like they are so comfortable. And if you want to pick up a set of Gitch, if you are in the market for a pair of underwear, sheath.com, sheathunderwear.com. There's a link in the video description. And the code BISCUIT69, B-I-Z-K-I-T, work for you. There's also a Travis Sucks code. They'll both get you 20% off. But BISCUIT69 is probably one that will stick in your mind. And thanks to the amazing folks at Sheath for presenting the podcast, as they always do every single week. Bruce Boudreaux could probably use a pair, if we're being honest. Yeah, let's be honest, man. He probably, you know, we could all use them, man. Who wants to have the, uh, you know, the sticky, uh, sticky inner thighs, oh. dude? You gotta have your, you gotta have, keep it tight, man. You know what? I was thinking about this. I was trying to tell my my trainer this the other day. Like, if you if you crap your shorts, it's not really a problem. But like the second it makes contact with the bottom of the shorts, then you're kind of in a problem because like you can like wipe and stuff, but like you can't. Like, you can't, like, wipe down the shorts. Like, you got to go home, switch them out. And I've had a couple instances like that. But, yeah, sheath helps keep it cool, keep it calm, keep it aerated. And helps to uh, minimize the damage that I do when I do push maybe a little bit too hard. When you shit your pants? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Try not to swear because well, there you go. people listen to this at work. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough life. I was going to ask, too. So, when he, when he cut you from Hershey, yeah. uh, it says, Rob, thanks. But we're going to be sending you home. Pack your stuff. Pack your stall. See you later. On your way out, you take anything. You take any like any jerseys, any tape, any anything at all. I know a lot of guys. Ah, do that. I mean, at, at that kind of thing at training camp. Yeah, I mean, we. You, I don't know. I wasn't gonna go and like raid anything. It was like I forgot what we got there, man. We might have got you know a jersey or two. They they they're usually honestly the equipment managers uh, at the pro level are really good at managing their their locker rooms, uh, and that you know they know they, they're the first ones to know. Hey, we're sending this guy down, so make sure you're on top of all of this stuff, so we get everything back, and they don't walk out of here with a bunch of gear. So um, I wasn't able to scoop. <laughs> they anything got like a whole U-Haul they're taking out of the parkade. <laughs> no, I know, man. Like, well, it's like you know, it's a common thing. Uh, summer stock is a real important thing, especially for at the minor league level. Like, if you got you know, it, making sure that you have a good, enough sticks and enough supply to get you through the summer training for next season. Uh, it was definitely something that we did a lot. And when I was playing in the coast, like if we finished the season there, like we had, you know, a stick room, if you probably had, you know, four or five sticks left over, um, you know, the equipment, it was always a little bit of a battle. And again, like it, 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 that's another thing too, where it depends on your relationships inside the dressing room. And like, I always had a really good relationship with my equipment managers. And so at the end of the year, my boy, like shout out to my man, Patty Noaker. He was my equipment manager in Reading. Like he would, he would, I'd be like, Patty, man, Patty, what can you hook me up with, bro? Like, can you get, can I get my sticks? Can I get like, you know, give me a couple rolls of tape, you know, uh, I'm going to need a Bucky, you know, maybe an extra visor or something like uh, the guys that you were good to and the guys that, you know, you took care of, you know, obviously you got to tip the guys out at the end of the year. Guys that take care of the equipment managers were of course the ones who got whatever they needed. 
Um, but yeah, summer stocking was definitely huge. Um, I definitely like to, you know, I still had like, uh, you know, some like, I guess memorabilia from my time playing, like anywhere I went, like I remember I had a shirt from bingo that I wore property of senators, even though I never made the team. Oh no, I did get called up there once. So I guess technically I was a senator, but yeah, I always tried to scoop whatever I could as a player, you know, Hey, you're going to free, you know, a t-shirt or, uh, you know, for sure sticks. Anytime you could get sticks, that was huge at that level. So I I hadn't paid for a hockey stick since I was like, you know, playing triple A in Buffalo back in back in the day so yeah so to provide a little bit of context to the people listening so uh what we're calling is, is summer stock so basically like when the season is done like the moment the buzzer rings at the end of the third period or overtime whatever it is for the final game of the season officially anything in a locker room in the team's possession is up for grabs is it if it is not nailed down like during the season guys come in they take their tape they take their their coffees everything everybody's like very respectful but once the season is done like whether we're talking in Rob's neck of the woods, or especially like in mine, where guys don't get paid much, if at all, uh, and times are kind of tough financially, like anything and everything is up for sale. Like we're talking like the coffee makers is up for grabs, like the extra tape, the extra sticks, the extra, even the toilet seat. Like like somebody stole the toilet seat one time this year for a prank. That could have been taken up for grabs. So anything you, you name it could be gone if it is not nailed down. Jerseys, coat hangers, shampoo. The uh, We had three Russian guys on our team this year. And the first thing that we noticed was gone. We had like a big like case of shampoo. Like we had like a, like a box of like 50 shampoo bottles. Whole box was gone the day after. Like like we, we had a road game that finished the season. We wanted a shootout. We came back. Uh, I guess they were the first ones back. And the box was gone. Ilya, where's the shampoo? Oh, I don't know. Well, it's gone somewhere. There's no box of shampoo anymore. We don't have any shampoo left. So anything and everything, it is up everybody sale, always up everybody grabs. always knows who the culprit is too, right? Who steals the shampoo? <laughs> who's got the tape? Like everybody always knows the guy that's going to be going for it. Hey, oh the Russians, they they took the shampoo. We got no poo. <laughs> no shampoo. Or uh, you, you know what's even, what's even worse? That this is not related to summer stock, but in my experience this year, so in the locker room, uh, guys like to shower with sandals on. I find a lot of guys do just. Honestly, the shower like the shower floors are kind of gross. You want to go for a shower, you have dirt, oh, yeah, it's germs, greasy, man. Like, oh, yeah, it's that's greasy. Some greasy Every- showers out there, man. And <laughs> yes, there, there's there's some rinks that have some really gross showers. So wearing sandals basically keep your feet from getting athlete's foot or any that kind of gross stuff in your feet. Um, I pride myself on having like a nice pair of sandals. Like I don't want flip flops. I don't like I want to make sure I have good sandals so that my feet are protected. My feet are uh, aerated in the shower. So I I would say that I probably one of the nicer pairs of sandals in the team, and. Uh, one of the Czech players we had on the team this year would always steal my sandals. He'd always, we'd come off, he'd be one of the last guys off, but he would just sit in his full gear for about 20, 30 minutes after practice. And I think he intentionally did this. He would wait for me to get undressed, shower, leave, and then once I left, there's my sandals. And my sandals would always be in a different place from when uh, I put them away. And I'd always tell him, stop taking my sandals. Buy your own, you cheap bastard. He's like, well, they're nice. They're, they're very nice sandals. I know he's not Borat, but he kind of sounded like Borat. And yeah, they just take my damn sandals all the time. Yeah, that's unacceptable, man. You have to lay the foot. You have to lay down the law on that. You can't be having people take your shower sandals. I know that's a common thing, though, especially on the road where guys like you know don't maybe guy didn't bring sandals. You know, guys don't guys don't bring a towel. Guys using other guys' towels. It gets pretty greasy out there, especially nowadays, man. You can't. You got to be really careful, man. Monkey pox and all the other things. Like you can't be you can't be doing any kind of sharing with towels and whatever. I know the boys are close, and I know the boys like to take showers together, but. I don't know. I was always a little bit weird about that too. Like, I, I, you know, I didn't mind. Like, I listen. I played in the minor league, so I did the grind. You know what I mean? I did showers on the road, but like, I wasn't trying to share my towel like with other dudes on the team. 
I mean, this I got no problem. Like, if I, if I got to share it after, like, I'll use it first. You can use it after. But if you are the <laughs> hockey player that goes out of your way to like borrow my sandals and like steal my sandals for your shower, you're a terrible person. Like, you are the reason why like I have stress when I leave the rink and I got to go home thinking about who's taking my sandals. I got to wash these again. I'm gonna get athlete's foot. Right? Like, you get there's like foot funguses and stuff. That's kind of yeah. But let me, let me, don't you get weirded out though? Like when you wear the sandals in the shower and then you come out and then you take the sandals off. Like what do you do? Like you you put the sandals right in the hockey bag with all your gear. Or like do you have a we bag have team stalls, so like everything has like a spot. Well, so on like, the road. Um, that actually that's a really good question. Honestly, I mean, yeah, you man, have, you got to start thinking to. about those things, bro. Think about the the secondary germ transfer. Like a lot of people, I see that. Like you wear sandals in the shower to keep your feet fresh, but then as soon as you get out, you take the sandals off and just throw them in your bag. And, and then, like, you know, the sandal goes inside your helmet or something. And then, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, think about it. I don't know. So, I when, whenever we're on, like, road games and, like, we're done, like, usually, like, I'm, I'm pretty hot over the course of a game. Like, I, I heat up as the, the game goes on. The rinks aren't really cool, specifically in Sweden, I found. And I, I get really hot. Like, even, like, after a game, I get, like, an ice-cold shower, like, zero-degree water. I'm still sweating after. So, like, I usually walk out of the rink in my shower sandals to the bus. Um maybe kind of gross but i don't know that's what i found working i don't really know what what do you do because if you put them in your bag like you said they pick up germs from all the greasy gear that you have that hasn't been washed because i mean like we have a three four hour bus ride home so that's uh that's a good question it's a very good question yeah it's something to think that guy should really think about you know what i mean <laughs> if you're going to be a germaphobe if you're going to be a germaphobe like you got to think about like fourth dimensionally you got to think like after the fact so just just a thought Food for thought. If here. Yeah, if you're watching the podcast and the YouTube video version, leave a comment down below. What What do you do? Like seriously, like, what do you do with your shower sandals after? If you're going back on the team bus for a road trip, obviously at home I have a stall. I have I have a specific spot in my stall for my shower sandals. But on the road is uh, is a little bit different, definitely for sure. If you're on the audio podcast, obviously pull over when it's safe to do so. Maybe you're making lunches for the kids. Whatever you do, we uh, we appreciate you listening every single week to the new Sling the Biscuit podcast presented by Sheath. Um, the, the next thing I wanted to talk about to you we've had conversations to length about this. I know like we've done road trips, Rob and I, like I said, we've been friends for years. Uh, you know, we've done road trips to Florida. We've done a Minneapolis to Chicago. We, we've been to so many different places. One of the things we talk about the most on the road is, is your endeavors with James Reimer. Jeepers creepers, James Reimer. <laughs> yeah. James, uh, James, James Reimer, no Reimer reason. Uh, he's my buddy, man. He, uh, I was, fortunate can, can we start off with the story about you trying to get him to swear? That was gotta be the one of the better stories out there. Yeah, I mean, like, he, so he was, a, I think it was probably my third year pro, maybe, I can't remember what year, third year, maybe second or third year pro, James Reimer, I was lucky enough to play, he, he was, I forget, he was drafted, I guess, by Toronto, is that right? Yep. He's drafted by Toronto, he, com- he, yeah, he comes, so he comes in, and uh, Toronto, we were the affiliate of Toronto Marley, Toronto Marley, Toronto Maple Leafs when I was playing in Reading, and Reimer came in as a rookie, and, you know, I was kind of a vet at that point, third year guy, so... Um, yeah, I got the opportunity to play with him, you know, in his formative years when he was coming up and he was just a great guy. Like a James Reimer, I have to say was probably the nicest human being that I met in my, in my career playing pro hockey. Uh, he comes from Western Canada from a good family and a good background. And he, you know, he's, he's a a very religious guy. He comes from a religious background. So he's got a strict set of morals and, uh, he, you know, he comes to a hockey locker room where, you know, guys are kind of crass and people are kind of, you know, uh, you know, it gets a little greasy in the locker room sometimes with the chatter, but Reimer was always like you know, clean cut and like, you know, being really polite and gentle. And I was, and I was always just like, come on, man. I was always like trying to get him like, come on, just say, just give us a swear. You know what I mean? Just drop an F-bomb for us one time. And I, re- I would always try to get him to do it. And he would always like, he would always handle it so funny. Like he would just kind of laugh and be like, oh, Rob, like, you know, I'm not going to do that. Like, come on. You know what I mean? And it was just always kind of an inside joke with us. But 
it was that kind of a, a feeling that created a good bond between like him and like well myself. I was a defenseman, so I always tried to have like a good relationship with my goaltenders, whoever I played with, and and Reimer was uh, you know somebody who I became friends with, and then like I really wanted to play for him and to watch him. When I tell you to watch him turn into a good pro goaltender was so fun for me because when he first came in, when he first came into the league, when he first came into, <laughs> sorry man, my nephew's here just saying that's what's okay. up. That's okay. Hey, Jack. Hey, Mom. Hey, who's here? Can you please can you please shut the door and not talk for at least 30 minutes while I'm recording? <laughs> Ma, the meatloaf. Ma, the meatloaf. <laughs> we want it now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hang on one second. Anyway, sorry. Jamie. <laughs> uh, um. Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Rob's uh, Rob's at uh, an Airbnb. Sorry, guys, we're on vacation down here. I got my nephew. He just came back from the beach. He's all excited. So, yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, so Reimer comes in and and just to watch him develop uh, from his first year. Uh, you know, he was a young kid. Comes through. They threw him right into pro hockey, and uh, you know, he turned himself like he, you know he was he, he was just like a really raw kid, really big, really raw talent. And, you know, he was okay, but I never, I never was like, I never was like, wow, James Reimer's sick. I just thought like, yeah, you know, he's just like, we, we, we got a lot of goalies that came to Reading and he very quickly started to like, you know, really blossom. And he actually, he and I actually got called up at the same time, uh, to the Toronto Marlies. So we both got called up the same day. We took the same flight and, um, we ended up, uh, you know, showing up together. So we had that. So I remember we went out to dinner the first night at the hotel. We stayed at the hotel on King street in Toronto. And, uh, you know, just being an American player, going up to Toronto to play pro hockey was super exciting. And uh, I got to go out to dinner with Reimer that night and just talk about, like, where we were and, like, you know, the experience. And that was it. Reimer got called up to the Marlies. He stayed there. And then the next thing you know, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, he's on the starting goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now he's turned into, like, just a great pro goaltender who's had quite a, you know, a great career. He's still playing, playing for San Jose. And, you know, again, it goes back to just a great guy, and uh, it's just been really a fun time and a fun experience wa- watching him develop into, uh, you know, who he is today. James Reimer is sick. You still have his number? When was the last time you talked to him? Um, I think I'll probably have his number because, I, I mean, I don't know unless he's changed it. Like, I have a lot of my numbers. Like, you know, my phone, I've had the same phone for a long time now, so a lot of the numbers I've had collected over the years. Uh, yeah, I could probably shoot him a message here and there. I haven't talked to him in a bit. I, I, I reached out to him. I know he was trying the sentry grip, the butt end sentry grip, and I think it was something that he, like, was not, you know, wasn't what he was used to using, so he hadn't, he didn't switch, and it's funny, because, like, we had some of the other goalies, like Aaron Dell and, and Martin Jones and a bunch of the San Jose guys using butt ends, so I was trying to get Rhymes to use it, but, uh, you know, I haven't had, uh, I haven't had him switch over, but maybe, maybe I'll, after this, maybe I'll fire him a text and just see if he's interested in checking it out, man. Yeah, let's kick started. Hey, tell him to come on the podcast. Let's talk to him. Actually, interesting story. He's from uh, Arburg, Manitoba, which is where I played my junior B hockey, my last year junior. And it's about an hour outside of Winnipeg. So they got like a big memorial of him uh, in the Arburg Arena. At least they did. I haven't been in the arena probably in like five years or so. But like pictures like James Reimer for a start, Toronto Maple Leafs, signed jerseys, like all this kind of really, really, really cool stuff. He was uh, he, he was always a good goalie growing up. He played uh, for the Red Deer Rebels for a bit. I think fourth round pick for Toronto. And, and like you said, just a great human being also like one of the hottest wives out there april reimer god bless her god bless her yeah yeah she april she's cool too man she used to come down and uh, and hang out with the boys i remember uh uh reimer you know he signed with toronto i think out of junior so he had a bit of coin i remember he had the sick uh, he had a sick mazda rx8 and uh, he used to whip that to the rink and uh and i remember his wife april used to come in and she was also the same person same kind of person like you could you know just a great human being and really friendly and really kind and a great addition to the uh to the reading royals team that year that we had so uh, shout out to those guys. 
Uh, I'm heading to Toronto actually in five days, funny enough, uh, to start my kind of off-season training, I guess, for the, for the summer. I haven't really skated a lot since I came home from Sweden, but the skating's going to kick in the gear, I guess, as of next week, uh, a week in Toronto, and then to Vancouver for a bit. And, and I'm excited, man. This year's this year, I'm, I can't wait, man. It's been tough. You've been over in Sweden. We haven't seen each other since, like, before the pandemic started. We, we were hanging out right before that. Um, and then like, we haven't seen each other personally since then. So I'm super pumped and happy for you, for your, you know, for your upcoming season. And it's going to be good to have you in North America. So I'm excited to, to come check out a bunch of games and be a part of your uh, success here moving forward and looking forward to what you guys are doing this season. Yeah. D- don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm going to miss Sweden a lot. Like not like right now I'm kind of in a weird spot. If, if maybe we'll touch on that before we cap off, but like I'm in a weird spot right now because it's like middle, almost third week of August and the last two years, I've been out of Winnipeg for sure, and I've been a couple days out of leaving for Sweden. And the fact that I'm I'm still in Winnipeg, I'm I'm packing up my apartment, everything's getting ready to go, and I'm getting ready to train for the next month for the season to start in October, is weird because in my brain it's like, oh well, we should be getting ready to go to Sweden. We should be in Sweden. We should be starting practicing, and then games start next month. But it's different. This is the North American schedule. I was talking with a Swiss goalie coach today about that, and he's like, embrace it, love it. This yeah, is I was just gonna say, man, enjoy enjoy the summer. And it's like I, sometimes you find out these like uh, these European players they have to go back like in July. It's just like, oh, I don't know, that's tough. I like the I like the schedule that you're on now, where it's like you get to finish your August, you know, train over the summer, and then get started in the fall. It seems I'm sure that's a nice, you know, change of pace for you. But yeah, sweet, it was cool, man. Congrats to you, man. Kudos to what you did and like the journey that you had to go over to Sweden. Two years of pro over there. I mean. That's gonna, that's that's going to pay dividends for you moving forward, man. I think it was it was first of all it was as a fan of your of your YouTube show. It was super fun to watch. You did such a great job, not only playing but you also like the documenting of your journey and like the YouTube videos that you put out were like I think best in the game, dude. And uh, I'm I'm super pumped to see what you guys have in store for this season in North America, dude. And I'm happy to be a part of it, man. I can't wait to get out there and fire biscuits on you again soon, dude. <laughs> uh, so provide a little bit of context. Maybe you're joining the podcast a couple episodes in. So I've signed a contract with the Motor City Rockers in the Fed in the FPHL for this upcoming season, and that's just like ten minutes, fifteen minutes in Fraser, fifteen minutes outside of Detroit, and that's where I'm going to be for the season. Uh, the new expansion team in the Fed, the Motor City Rockers. Uh, camp starts October third. Our season opener is on October thirteenth, and hopefully Rob can come along. Because like we just mentioned, I haven't seen Rob in almost three years because you know the COV and whatnot hasn't been able to yeah. come to Sweden. And I'm, I'm really looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Looking forward to skating with you. All that kind of stuff. Getting the boys hooked up with some grips. I just got all my sticks dialed in with the Traspect, the, the Paradox, and the Sentry combo. I know we, we're not doing the Traspect buttons anymore, but it's my, it's my favorite combo, and I'm, I'm excited to have that for the season. I think, yeah, too. I love, just, love having you as a butt-ends goalie, bro. And uh, I can't wait to get out and, uh, you know, I'd love to train with you. I know, you, you know you're, up in, you're up in Canada right now, but I'd love to get out and train with you a bit and, uh, you know, do, be, your, be your personal shooter anytime you're looking for a shooter. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pumped to get out there with you, man. Coming soon, then. Coming soon. I think too. Yeah. Um, like, like I've fallen in love with Sweden so much that I, I still, in my brain and in my heart, Sweden is my home. Like Gothenburg, the west coast of Sweden. It's going to take two or three weeks to kind of get accustomed to uh, living in Detroit. Like Detroit is not Gothenburg. It is not Stockholm. It's going to be very different, and and that's okay. But I, I know coming into it, there's going to be that two to three week transition period of getting accustomed, accepting that. Hey, that there is an IKEA in Detroit, but this isn't, you know, this isn't Sweden. Right? It's, it's I, I had a lot yeah. of people message me last week. They're like, "Trav, I, there's an IKEA in Detroit, so you're not too far from Sweden." I'm like, "Okay, listen, there's an IKEA, but it's not, it's not." Hey, Stockholm. you get your Swedish meatballs if you want. They, they do have a pretty good Swedish meatball at IKEA, man. If they, I remember they do. correctly, they do. But it, it's not the same though. There's a feeling of walking into the IKEA, and I believe it's is it Falkenberry? It might not be Falken. No, no, not Falkenberry. It's um. 
Oh, I can't remember the town, the, the nearest Ikea to me. It's a huge, like, super Ikea uh, just outside of Varberg, in, uh, just down by Gothenburg. But it's not going to be that. It's going to be different. It's a different style of game. It's going to be a different pace. There's going to be a lot more games, a lot of travel. I think we do, I could be wrong, but I think 28-hour bus ride from Detroit, Michigan to Columbus, Georgia and or Carolina, I think, because the bus yes. obviously has to go slower. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Dude, also, maybe grind. Dude, why don't I give you a little bit of a podcast exclusive for the people that are maybe wondering, uh, asking like, what's the vlog going to look like, all that kind of stuff. I touched a little bit on it, but I ended up talking to our GM the other day. By the way, uh, I found out that our GM is actually not our coach, like the guy that I was talking to. I thought he was our coach, so I kept calling him coach, like, hey, coach, how's it going? How's it going? And he says to me the other day, he's like, I'm actually the GM. I'm like, oh, well, I'm still going to keep calling you coach. Oh, it's just, okay. it's just, so have you, have you met the coach? So I haven't met anybody in person, but I've been talking to uh, the GM, been talking to the goalie coach, shout out goalie coach Bill. He listened to the podcast last week and talking to him a lot. Um, the head coach has not been announced yet. Um, he's going to reach out uh, when he gets announced officially next week, I guess. But um, it's it's just going to be very, very, very different, right? Like the, like the vlog is going to be different than what it was in Sweden, like the hockey, everything. But coach and I were talking about uh, videos the other day and he's like, hey, like I've heard... Like a lot of people reaching out to the social media team, a lot of traction line. People want jerseys. People want season tickets. And if you're somebody who's reached out to Motor City on Instagram, on Twitter, or whatever, you've sent an email and said, hey, I want to get a jersey. I want Travis jersey. I want season tickets. I want to say thank you because like that, that means a lot for the team and it, and it obviously helps me a lot too. Uh, and, and the management side of things, everybody's very open-minded to it and everybody's like, we're excited. Let's let's do some stuff to build the game, bring people to the rink. We have a 3,000-seat arena. There's a lot of really good stuff coming up. And what I've been told is I can film whatever I want. Just film some videos. Obviously, good for the team. Um, I don't want to influence the the locker room vibe. I want to keep things natural, kind of like I did last year in Sweden, where everybody's happy, everybody gets pumped up, make the guys look good, make them feel good. You know, maybe I got to take a you know a dump or two on myself every now and then to kind of pump some of the guys up. That's fine. It's all in good spirits. That's all in good fun. And it's going to be a once a week vlog kind of thing. Like I mentioned uh, two weeks ago with Dave. Like the Norway trial I had, the media team is going to take care of my cameras. I'll do some filming on the side, but I want to focus on a good season. I think the big difference between here with Motor City and, and Sweden, in Sweden because they've they've spent money on my transfer card and they've spent money to invest to actually bring me to the team, they're a lot more inclined to keep me around as opposed to in the Fed or any, any pro in North America. It's a very short window, and it's, there's a reason I get $125 a week because it's a week-to-week like they can get rid of me. And I need a good start to training camp. I need a, I need a good first game whenever I get that opportunity because there's not a lot of, of wiggle room. Like if I start sucking, they're going to get rid of me. So stopping pucks at the priority, having a good camp, good first game. And I think I think things are going to fall into place. I, I have a, a game plan mapped out and I'm, I'm excited. I think I'm ready. And I guess we're going to find out in less than two months. Again, I will say it is weird that I'm not leaving for, for there yet. But it, I mean, I guess I get to enjoy more of my summer. Yeah, dude, and I, you know, you just said, man, day by day, and you, you, you are ready. You know, you put the work in, and then nobody works harder in the game than you, man. I've seen it, you know, from since we, you know, you and I've known each other for quite a long time. I, you know, I remember coming up and watching you play junior B hockey, and and, and doing a road trip with your junior B team back in the day, and to see the level, the, the where you've taken your game from there to now, you know, you're a pro, and you treat your game like a pro, and that's why you're able to do the things you're doing. That's why you're able to travel the world to play hockey because you've bought into yourself and you've invested in yourself. And, you know, you decide, I tell these people all the time, I tell this to young players, like you decide when you want to be a pro player, you know what I mean? And people can say, people can like chirp you, you know, I see you get a lot of chirps like, oh, you know, you don't make a lot of money and you're playing in the duster minor leagues and you just said like 150 a week, whatever, bro, you have a full-time YouTube business and you have a podcast and you're a pro hockey player. 
player. And you know what? You created that for yourself. You decided when you wanted to be a pro and you made that happen for yourself. So you, like you said, you're ready to go. And like, just remember some of the things, like I said, my little Bruce Boudreaux story, you know, every single thing matters, you know what I mean? And, and you only got one chance here. You know what I mean? You only have one, one chance to make a really good impression on this new coach. And, and so make sure your everything is dialed in and, you know, don't take anything for granted, you know, make sure you're the first one on the ice, make sure the last one off, make sure you're doing the best day in and day out. So you don't look back 10 years from now and say, ah, man, you know what I mean? I should have, you know, been a little bit, you know, more proactive with certain things. So just concentrate on that, man. I think you're in a great spot and I'm excited for your season. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And I think one final thing to cap off on that is like, I've taken a lot of heat over the last like two, three years of, of saying like I play pro hockey because in my mind, the level is pro hockey. The pay grade may not, but I'm a pro. I want to be a, a, a better pro. I want to be the best goalie that I can be. And I want to make more money and I want to, you know, strive to accomplish all these goals. And people say like, what's the difference between you playing pro and some guy in a beer league? Well, I play at a significantly higher level than anything in beer league. And there's actually like some investments being made at the level that I'm at. Like there's money being involved by the team. I may not be getting money like directly, like here's cash, but I'm getting uh, expenses paid for. I'm getting different perks from different teams and whatnot. And the, the, I guess the, the tagline, I guess of, of people online has changed from, well, you don't make any money to now where I, I'm telling people I'm making $500 us a month. Well, that's, that's less than minimum wage. So you're still not a pro. Well, okay, well, if I work 40 hours a week at minimum wage, what is that, like 20, 20 grand, 16 grand a year, give or take, by the time you know we, we do taxes and everything? Who makes 16, 20 grand a year by the time they're all done? I know guys in the SP don't. I don't even know if guys in the coast do, because guys in the coast, I know a uh, previous co-host told me he was making 560 a week, so he was making two grand a month. It might, might have been 2,400, times that by six, seven months. So he's making. Uh, is that wrong? You're giving me flashbacks, bro. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to do some math in my head. This is tough. So he's making around the minimum wage poverty line. So um, I, I don't try to let any of that kind of stuff bother me. I just I love hockey. This is the greatest thing in the world. This is what I want to do. And you're either you're in or you're out as far as supporting it. And I think it lays a good foundation for the minor pro, I guess, route that you can. If you love hockey and you're passionate, you want to do something, you can do it. Yes, the podcast and the vlog have opened up some opportunities. For me to uh, take chances that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to, but this is the greatest job, the greatest thing I've ever accomplished in my life. Why would I give it up just because some troll says, "Oh, you only make a hundred hundred twenty-five dollars a week"? Well, what do you do? You live in your mom's basement. You ain't making no money. You ain't making no money, dog. You live in her basement. You're raking the yard for free. Nah, man. Keep playing as long as you can. Keep doing what you're doing, man. And uh, you know what I mean. The, like you said, the world's opening up for you. You know what I mean. You just got back two years in Sweden. Now you're on your way to Detroit. You got fans calling you up, looking for your jersey. You know what I mean? You're be, you're wanted by a team. Like you're gonna go and play somewhere, and uh, people cheer for you. Like you're on the right path, man. I think it's great. I'm excited. I can't wait to be there to to watch some games real soon. And and I want to be very clear. All of this that we just talked about is not possible without the people listening to the podcast, the people supporting the vlog, the people that have supported me, my goalie coaches, Pasco, Villana, Derek Bouja, and Bradstrom. All these people like have helped me make it possible. So. This isn't a one-man show. This is this is a team effort. This is a community effort, if we're being honest. And to everybody listening to the podcast, everybody who has supported me, thank you so much. There is a new podcast every Sunday. Uh, I believe we're doing 11 a.m. Eastern every podcast every Sunday. And the vlogs are now on Sundays as well. So the vlog goes up at 10 a.m. Eastern, the podcast 11 a.m. Eastern. And uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, the podcast is everywhere. I want to thank the amazing folks at Sheath for sponsoring, for powering the podcast. Again, pick up some awesome Sheath underwear, some Sheath clothes. Biscuit69 or Trav Sucks. Either or code will work for 20% off. 
underwear, sheathunderwear.com, link in the description. Thank you, Rob, for coming to the podcast. Rob will be back soon, probably sometime next month. Dave Wheeler will be back next week for our in-studio episode. And uh, next time we talk, I'll be in Toronto.